Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Okay, if you could take your uh, Bibles and open up to Joel chapter 2, please. And we're going to start with verse 28 of Joel chapter 2. If you've been with us over the past few months as we jumped into Joel chapter in Joel, the book of Joel, it's a prophetic book. It's one of the minor prophets. Again, a minor prophet doesn't mean his lack of importance versus a major prophet. It's only the size of the book that we're talking about. It's a smaller book but a very powerful book. It's only three chapters, but it packs a wallop. Joel dealt with the southern part of Israel, Judah area, and the prophecy dealt with a few things. In chapter 1, we saw a tremendous army of locusts coming in and devastating the land. Remember, Farming, agriculture was the main work that these people had. So once the locusts wiped that out, you have to understand their livelihood was taken away. And again, one of the reasons this happened was because they had turned their back on God. God loves you and those people so much, He'll do anything to get our attention and to try to get us to turn around so we repent and follow Him once again. Think about things in our lives today, your life, my life, that might be going on. It could be the very thing God is using to get our attention. So always call out to Him when you can't figure out what's going on, because He has the answers for everything. And like I said, it might be something He's just trying to shake you to wake you. Because I think we as human beings easily stray and easily get into a comatose state. So chapter 1, we see the prophecy of one day a coming judgment where an army will be like an army of locusts, except it will be a military army that causes a devastation and also talks about the end times when this army will actually come into the valley of Armageddon in Israel where all the nations will meet. And this is what makes Joel so powerful because it talked about something that happened in the past and it definitely talks about things that are going to take place in the future, but just as important, things that might be devastating in our lives, things that we're going through. God gives us hope. There's better days coming. In chapter 2, verses 1 to 11, There was a trumpet of warning, different calamities that were going on in Israel at the time. But again, no different than calamities that we might be experiencing. But try to remember, God wakes us to shake us, trying to get our attention. I don't think any of us, and this includes myself or any of the pastors here, are complete in the Lord, are where God wants us to be. We're works under construction, aren't we, all of us? 
right? There's always things that God is trying to get rid of in our lives and always things God is trying to bring us to. So we're sinners. You know, we're sinners. We fall short. But the great news is God is the author and perfecter of our faith, and he is constantly working all the time, even when we're not aware that he's working, because he's faithful. He's doing a neat work in each of our hearts. In verses 12 to 17, Joel was just really urging the people to return to God, to do it through fasting and confession. Repentance. And we talked about the fasting. That doesn't always have to be um, food that you're giving up. It might be something that you like to do and you just replace it with that time spent with the Lord. Just something where a habit that you're doing, it could be a good habit, but you're just going to give that hour, you're going to give that 30 minutes to the Lord now instead of doing that thing that you might be routinely doing during the week. Because when you give up that certain meal or you give up that certain activity, that time is being filled now with just spending it at the Lord's feet. And I just want to urge you and all of us, pastors, elders, remember, we're just like you. We're just like you. We have our shortcomings. And we need to sit at the Lord's feet. We need to glean from Him. We need to keep on growing. For the moment you and I stop growing, what happens? We start sliding backwards. And that's why it's so beautiful to have people come out at a midweek because you're constantly going. Instead of just going once a week, you're fellowshipping halfway through the week and then it's only a few more days till we meet again. And God calls us to do this, doesn't he? To constantly fellowship with one another, break bread together, lift each other up in prayer help each other through the things that we're going through. And it's an encouragement. It's an encouragement for me to see you here, to see each other when I'm in the pew listening to someone else teaching, to see the body of Christ come together here to continually grow in Him. Tonight we're going to look at verses 18 to 32. Or I'm sorry, we're going to look at verses, uh, yeah, verses 18 to 32. I think I told you to turn to verse 28, but verses 18 to 32. And we're going to look at tonight. Remember, we just came through a lot of devastation in chapters 1 and 2. A lot of shaking the people were going through. Tonight we're going to look at some of God's promises, the promises of blessing that comes through the time of devastation and hardship and shaking. One of the things we're going to see, we're going to uh, get into the Spirit being poured out on all flesh. And we're going to look at that in comparison to the Old Testament and to the New Testament. But let's jump in. Let's go to chapter 2 of Joel, picking up in verse 18. Then the Lord will be zealous for his land and pity his people. The Lord will answer and say to his people, Behold, I will send you grain and new wine and oil, and you will be satisfied by them. I will no longer make you a reproach among the nations. 
Now, of course, this is being written about Israel. Okay, but we can take the same promise from the Lord as we look at this. God is zealous and jealous for you and I. You are His son. You are His daughter. You are one of the reasons He went to the cross and died. You have the Spirit of the living God in you. The hope that you and I have is the same hope that Joel was given to the people back here in verse 19. The Lord will answer and say to His people, Behold, I will send you grain and new wine and oil, and you will be satisfied by them. Remember the drought, of lo- the drought and the devastation by the locust. It wiped everything out. Everything was gone. But notice the hope that God gives them. I will send you grain and new wine and oil, and you will be satisfied by them. And you might be saying, well, Vinny, I don't, I'm not a farmer. You know, I like to mess around in the garden, but I don't have my livelihood based on agriculture or farming. That's okay. Because in that verse 19, behold, I will send you grain and new wine and oil. That's spiritually speaking to you and me of the grain of Jesus being the bread of life, of the wine of the Holy Spirit filling you to overflowing, giving you His Spirit for what is necessary every day. For what you go through today or I went through today is different from the person next to you or what we're going to go through tonight or tomorrow. But God is there. He's the living God living inside of you. And notice in verse 19, you will be satisfied by them. By who? Be satisfied by Jesus. You'll be satisfied by His Holy Spirit. End of verse 19 is where Joel is saying, God's saying through Joel, you'll no longer make you a reproach among the nations. Well, we know today that Israel is a reproach among the nations. Most nations are against them against them. The United Nations are against them. You and I aren't against them, but our country has basically, from a political standpoint, made it very difficult for Israel. Very, very difficult. And again, not pushing any party because you have to see where all these people stand as individuals, but how do they take a stance towards Israel? That's very important as believers in Jesus. That we stand behind it I, Israel individually, and pray for that person that's going to be representing us as the president, as the vice president. What is their stance on Israel? It's important. So important. The scripture talks about it, how God is going to still raise up his people. He's still standing with Israel, even though most of the nation doesn't even give God the time of day. Verse 20, But I will remove far from you the northern army and will drive him away into a barren and desolate land with his face towards the eastern sea and his back towards the western sea. His stench will come up and his foul odor will rise because he has done monstrous things. Keep an eye right now on Russia, on Syria, 
on the armies right there on the border of Israel. They're right there. What's go- is this the part of Ezekiel? Is this the part of Joel that we're going to see where they're going to march right into the northern part of Israel? Is this the end times? Russia has never been this close to Israel. They're less than 10 miles from the border. 10 miles. They can walk there in a day, but we know they have weapons. We know they have planes and tanks, but on foot they could get there in just a few hours. Keep an eye on that situation. Pray. Pray for the military, the prime minister, all of Israel, all the decisions that are being made. Verse 21, Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done marvelous things. He always does. God always does marvelous things. At the bleakest time, look for that bright lining in the cloud because it's God doing marvelous things. There's always that bright lining somewhere in the darkest cloud. No matter how bad things get in this country, remember, things aren't falling apart, they're falling together. Just as God planned it. It's His story. It's His game plan being folded out before our eyes. We live in a very, very exciting time. We're part of that. People are looking for answers. And the people of God have the right answers whether people want to accept it or not. So stay the course. Stay stay true. Verse 22. Do not be afraid, you beast of the field, for the open pastures are springing up and the tree bears its fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their strength. And I think you've heard this several times before, but remember, one of the greatest exports of flowers and and fruits and vegetables is Israel. And if you Google map it, or you've ever been there, Israel is plush with tropical vegetation and fruits, vegetables, while the surrounding area is all desert. All the other nations are desert. It's not a coincidence. God is a God of His Word. Verse 23, Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For He has given you the former rain faithfully, and He will cause the rain to come down for you. The former rain and the latter rain in the first month. The former and the latter rain were the fall rains and the spring rains. Remember, during the drought, they didn't have those rains. But for you and I, Understand that God rains down His Spirit on us. God is not quiet in your life or my life. He's constantly watering us with His Word. Constantly causing us to grow inside out. He's causing you to grow inside out. Even when you don't think growth is happening, God, the Master Gardener, is taking care of you, His precious garden. All the time. 24. The threshing floor shall be full of wheat, 
and the vat shall overflow with new wine and oil. So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust. My great army which I sent among you. We talked about this in one, all the different type of locusts that what one locust took care of and left, another locust would come and destroy. And if he left anything, another locust was coming. It's like the enemy. The enemy is always trying to destroy you, always trying to destroy me. His job is to steal, kill, and destroy. And he'll use any type of weapon to do that. The major areas of attack is your mind, trying to get in through your mind to your heart and to your spirit. Be careful what you put into your mind. Be careful what you put into your heart. That's everything from visual to audible, places that you go. Have a covenant with your eyes, as the Bible says. Ask God to put a shield around your heart. Go to bed with your armor on, Ephesians 6. Go to bed with the full armor of God on. Don't ever take it off. And every time you read His Word and pray to Him, He's shining that armor. It's getting stronger and brighter. The enemy fears when he sees a man or woman of God in line with the Spirit of God. One of the great comforts for me as a guy is the beginning of verse 25 where it says, So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. I know through my sin in my life, parts of my life have been destroyed. The locust ate it up. Never thought it would be restored again. But when I got on my knees before the Lord and I repented of my sin and said, Lord, I have no place else to go but You. You have to restore my relationship with my wife. You have to restore how I've thrown away finances. You have to restore how I've thrown away relationships with other people. You have to restore, Lord, the parts of my heart that have been destroyed in the parts of my spirit. And you know what? He did that. He did that. Because I know I was at my end and there was no way I could restore it. Somebody can say to me, well, Vinny, that's good for you. You're right, it's good for me. Thank God it's good for me. Because I was at my wit's end. At my physical end. Yeah, it was good for me, but it's good for you too. Because sooner or later, we all come to that point. Even if it's in the last breaths of our life. But dear people, why wait? Till then, why not take hold of God's promises that He wants to give you an abundant life and take advantage of that now? Why wait till the last couple days of your life when He has so much He can use you for? Because the Spirit of the living God is in each one of you if you've given your life to the Lord. Verse 26, You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied 
and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be put to shame. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. In past history, we know that Israel was taken captive by the Babylonians, by the Assyrians. We know they went through the Holocaust. We know those things took place. We also know they were restored to their land and they became a nation again in 1948. Unfortunately, based on the scriptures, there's going to be another devastation time for Israel where over half their population will be destroyed before the second coming of Jesus Christ. But there's good news too. The Lord has poured out his spirit and there are Messianic Jews. There are Messianic Jews over in Israel that are leading others to the Lord. I personally believe that there are 144,000 virgin guys over in Israel that the Lord is going to save. And when we're out of here, you and I, when we're gone, they're going to be those evangelists that are going to evangelize the world during the tribulation time, according to the scriptures. So pray for those guys. We don't know who they are yet. We'll probably see it in the box seats we have in heaven. And they'll be, we'll be one of the witnesses surrounding them, that great cloud of witnesses. But what a time that is coming. What a tremendous time. We're getting closer and closer to that day. Verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. If you turn with me to chapter 2 of Acts, Acts chapter 2, verse 16. And just hold your place in Joel, please. But we're going to Acts chapter 2. Verse 16. Actually, let's start right in verse 1 so you get a little more of the flavor of what's taking place. And as I, before I read this, just remember in the Old Testament which is where the book of Joel is, right? The Old Testament. Jesus, of course, had not come yet in human form. He did not live his 33 years. He didn't go to the cross yet. He didn't get his band of apostles. He wasn't put in a grave yet. He wasn't resurrected yet. He did not yet send his Holy Spirit, which we're going to see here in Acts chapter 2. But what did happen you look in the Old Testament, you have guys like David, guys Joseph, Gideon, Samson, where God sent his spirit on these people and used them in a very special way at a very special time in history. So there were selected individuals that God sent his spirit upon and used them mightily to do mighty things that we read about in the Old Testament. 
But I just read in the book of Joel, we, you know, I just read about that in verses 28 through 29, that it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. So now let's look at chapter 2 of Acts. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Hmm. You and I are all together in one accord in one place right now. Think about that. In the name of Jesus. Very similar to the apostles and disciples back here in chapter 2 of Acts. Verse 2, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. Notice, it wasn't for one individual. It wasn't for Peter, just Peter. It was for all of them that were in that room. Because God, remember when he died on the cross, one of the things that happened, the veil was torn from the top to the bottom and it was open that anybody could enter in. Before, who was it? Just the priest could enter in. And he entered in with fear. Remember, he had the bells down at the bottom of his robe. In case he saw a guy, they thought he was going to die and they're going to have to yell him out when they didn't hear the ringing of the bells anymore. But you and I, what does the Bible say now that the veil has been torn? We can enter boldly into Jesus' presence. No fear, out of love. Because he demonstrated his love that while we were still sinners, he died for us. How much more now, through the resurrection and through new life he's given you, that we can go to him like a child goes to their mom or dad and cry out, Abba, Father. No matter what you need or what your worry is or no matter what your care is, I don't care your age. You're babies. I'm a baby in the sight of the Lord. He always wants us to be those innocent children that we see in the scriptures. Don't turn those innocent children away, for such is the kingdom of heaven. We want to be those innocent kids at coming to the Lord. Oh, well, I'm 50 years old. I've had a mature life. I've gone through hard knocks. God wants you to stay humble and childlike. If God tells us he wants that attitude in us, why can't we have that? In the light of eternity, how old are you? Seriously, how old are you in the light of eternity? You're, you're little, young age. You're very, very young age in the light of eternity. Verse 4, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men, from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. So picture this, they're hearing their own language being spoke by men who weren't from their country. That blew them away. They were confused. They never saw this before. 
But see, with God, when he reveals things to you through his word, you might have never seen it before. And it blows you away. It blows you away. And there's things he constantly wants to show you and me, not to confuse us, but to edify us, to help us to grow in maturity in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. If you were here Sunday, I had shown you a clip that uh, Pastor Joe had sent to me and asked if I could use it. Remember the Chinese Christians getting those Bibles? That's insane. The hunger they had for God's word and to just hold what you have in your hand right now because they never had it before. And they treasured it. They treasured it. Verse 7, Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Pergia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya, adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, people from all over, understanding what was being said. Did they think, boy, what were those things above those heads, those clothes of fire? What has this caused? We've never seen anything like this before. We've never heard anything like this before. Verse 11, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongue the wonderful works of God. The same Spirit. The same Spirit. If you ever met somebody from another country that doesn't even speak your language, but yet as a born-again believer, there's a, there's a cohesion, there's a unity in the Spirit. When you meet them, there's a bond. That's the Holy Spirit. Verse 12, so they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one, to one another, whatever could this mean? When you and I get into God's word, Lord, what does this mean? Show me, reveal yourself to me, reveal your truths to me. Show me what you want me to know in this scripture. And maybe it's the 10th time you read it over your lifetime. Well, Lord, Make it fresh for me today. How can I apply it today? For you directed me to the scripture, Lord. What does it mean in my life today? And then verse 13. Remember, they didn't number these verses. You know, this was uh, later on where they numbered the verses. It was just one reading. It was one parchment. But isn't it cool that... 13 that the world looks at as an unlucky or a superstitious number. Look what 13 says. Others mocking said they are full of new wine. There always has to be somebody mocking. There has to be. If there's nobody ever mocking, you're in heaven. There's got to be somebody that throws a negative slant on things, right? They have to. There has to be that critical spirit that when God's doing a new work, somebody throws a wrench in. Something to try to take your eyes off the Lord. Don't let them. 
Don't let them. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Right? Just keep your eyes on Him. Remember Peter, good old Peter on the water. When he kept his eyes on Jesus, he was walking above the water. He didn't notice anything, but then the wind, the waves, the lightning, he started looking and started sinking. That can happen to you instantly. It can happen to me right away. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Verse 14, but Peter, but Peter, I love that one, but Peter, just think a few chapters back, what was Pete doing? He was denying Jesus. He was denying him. He didn't want to admit that he was one of his followers. But now, in verse 13, we see people mocking, being critical. And in verse 14, but Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on the men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. Now, in those verses, look what Peter did when people were confused. Look what Peter did when there was mocking going on. He turned to the Word of God. He let God's Word do the talking. He was just the vehicle that God was using to point people back to the book of Joel that we're in tonight. The very scriptures that we just looked at in Joel is what Peter is repeating in verses 17 through 21. And as we look at this, it shall come to pass, in verse 17, it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Notice, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Remember in the Old Testament, it was select individuals that God put his spirit on. Now do you see what's happening? He's pouring out his spirit on everybody that calls on the name of the Lord. He's pouring out his spirit on all those who accept Jesus into their heart as their Lord and their Savior. And notice the last days. Peter is referring right now that, hey, this day that we're finding right now here in this upper room is the beginning of the last days. It's a time period that we see the Spirit that Jesus said before He ascended, go and wait, and I will send you a helper, a comforter. And remember what else He said, lo, I'm with you always until the end of the age. Now these men and women who were in that room on this Pentecost are now, their age is over. They're with the Lord in heaven. 
This is your age and my age. The same spirit that was with them is with you and me. The same spirit that made them do great things in their lifetime, things that we don't even read about. Some things we do. There's things that we don't know about some of the ladies, some of the teenagers, some of the men, some of the boys, some of the stuff they've done. We don't have any biblical or historical records of everything that went on. But you and I have that same spirit. God has chosen you and me to continue in our age, just like ages past. What went on? What a tremendous, tremendous privilege and opportunity God has given us. We've seen it as your pastors and as your elders. We've seen God raise you up to do things over the years, if we've known you that long. Don't ever take yourself for granted or put yourself down. You have been an immeasurable worth to the body of Christ here at this church in Jamesburg. You have contributed to the growth of the body of Christ. You are part of the bride of Christ that makes the bride beautiful, getting ready for the wedding feast one day where we'll all be with Jesus face to face. Notice sons and daughters shall prophesy, young men, old men, visions and dreams, men servants and maid servants, He'll pour out his spirit on. And then in verse 19, Peter goes on, I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, remember when Jesus died on the cross. Remember the heavens. Everything became dark. There was an earthquake. There were things taking place. I believe that those people got a glimpse of the very things that are going to happen in the future one day. Some of the stuff that we're seeing here in verse 19. Understand that the day of the Lord is going to be a day that is devastation to those people who the Lord is trying to reach that keep rejecting Him. And I get great news. God is not finished with you yet in your development in Him, but He's not finished with you yet in reaching a Christ-rejecting world. There's going to be more and more opportunities for you in prayer, in witnessing, in evangelizing, in growing as a disciple in the Lord. Are you ready for it? God is ready for it. He's always been ready for it. He's always looking for men and women who are saying, Lord, use me. Lord, send me. I want to be that guy. I want to be that girl. Use me. If I have one day left on this earth, if I have 100 years left on this earth, whatever it is, use me, Lord, to the fullest, to the max. Doesn't matter your handicaps. It doesn't matter. Look through Scripture how he's used people that have handicaps. Think about it. Think of some of the dear saints that have handicaps and how God used them. And it shall come to pass that whoever 
calls on the name of the Lord. Whoever. Whoever. There's no restriction. There's no restriction. There's no limit to his love, to who he reaches. The youngest, the oldest. The poorest, the wealthiest. The sickest, the healthiest. Doesn't matter. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's go back and wrap up in Joel. Verse 29. Or actually, I just read some of that, so I'm not going to repeat it. Let's go down to verse 32. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance. As the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. You and I live in what's called or known as the church age. From the day of Pentecost until you and I are taken up to be with the Lord in the sky. Known as the rapture of the church. Which we here at Calvary Jamesburg believe. We believe that we're going to be taken up one day. In a moment. In a flash. Bang. We're out of here. That is going to be unbelievable to the people that remain behind, especially those people who have heard about this before. The world is going to try to rationalize it away or to use it in their favor. But our dear people who are left behind, who turned their back on Christ or rejected Christ, didn't receive Him as Lord and Savior, but knew the Scriptures, because maybe you told them, or I told them, or some other believer told them. They're going to know that what took place was a miracle of God. And then something's going to happen. As the Lord has said in the end of that verse, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. There's going to be a remnant that the Lord calls during the tribulation period that there's going to be people coming to the Lord during that time. Our prayer and my prayer is that everybody is saved. That people don't have to go through the tribulation. But we can only deal with the people that God sends into your sphere and my sphere of influence. Whoever that is that God sends into your life and my life. Pray for the peace of Israel. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for yourselves that you're right where God wants you to be and that you're sold out for Jesus Christ and that He gives you a fresh, before your feet hit the floor in the morning, that you are a living sacrifice, wholly set apart for Him, for what He wants to use you for today. You have that opportunity, Lord willing, when you wake up in the morning, tomorrow. You have that opportunity as you go to bed tonight that you just pray to your living God to speak to you in a dream or a vision during the night. Meditate on His Word. Hide it in your heart. See what He wants to do in your life 
where he used guys as young as King Josiah all the way up to Abraham who was 100 years old. Don't allow the enemy to steal what God can do in your life regardless of where you are at this point. For the best days are coming. And that same spirit, if you're a believer here tonight, is in you. And that spirit is the spirit of the living Jesus, the resurrected Christ in you. Come to know him better. Allow him to use you more. Get out of your own way. Become less and let him become more. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.